my mom passed away and it was because of my mom's death that I drew closer to the Lord. And you may say, that's crazy. But I believe, and I couldn't say this when she died, I couldn't understand it. But she had to die for Debbie to realize who God really was. Because I was relying on my mother's prayers. And I never had like a Saludos mi gente, we are back with my favorite co-host Nelson D. Rodriguez. Nelson, what's up? Come on, don't put the pressure on me now. What's going on, E? How chilling, bro, chilling, man. We uh we're happy to have Debbie here, man. I think this is the first time you meet her now. Yeah, yeah, definitely was the first time I met Debbie. You know? Debbie's a cool person, man. Very nice lady. Um, I respect her. I think I respect her because she's from New York. And she like that old school New York. Yeah, she that old school, man. Let's jump right into this conversation, bro. Hope you guys enjoy. Enjoy. So, Miss Debbie, do you have a do you have a passage joke? No, I don't. But I'm sure you do, Eli. I think I do. Nelson, you got one? Um, this week I think I'm gonna pass. Ah, oh, then I'm gonna have to share mine then. Yes, sir. <laughs> that works, man. I might have to say it in Spanish. Okay. Do you want me to translate? Nah, don't translate. Should I say it in English? Okay, I'll say it in English. I'll say it in English. Why can you only trust two and three? Two and three? <laughs> I have a feeling I know this answer. Let the Lord use you, brother. Go ahead. Because God's in there? What? No. You know, he says where there's two or three, God is there. Wow, Nelson, that was a good one, but no. You can only trust two and three because one never knows. Oh, that was weird. Dude, it's a pastor's joke, man. I didn't make it up. A pastor said it. (laughs) It's not my joke. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, that's the point. Isn't that the point? Do we have to reiterate that pastor's jokes aren't that great? Stop. Stop. Mm. They're good sometimes. Sometimes. Just have them across. When, they're when they're preaching, they throw some good ones out there. So. The one I just said was corny, but... <laughs> Facts. It's not mine. I didn't make it up. I hope that was in the beginning of the preaching, not in the middle. I don't know. Because I would have got up and gone to the bathroom. <laughs> All right, man. Whatever. <laughs> so... If you don't mind me calling you Miss Debbie, is it is it custom now? Because Eli called you that, so now I feel like I have to. You don't have to, but if you want to, it's okay. Okay, Miss Debbie, or Debbie, however you may like it. First, thank you for for being on on the show with us. We know that the words that you're going to bring tonight is going to be of a blessing to someone, someone, anyone who's listening. I just want to want to touch base on. On something I don't want to ask your age, so don't worry about it. However, I do want to ask you, what is something you would tell your 15-year-old self? Oh, wow. What would I tell myself 15? Well, that's a long time ago, brother. We're not giving the age, like you said. We're not touching the age. But one of the things that I would say is be yourself. You know, as being a PK, you're expected to act a certain way or have a a certain behavior because of the calling which your parents had. And you shouldn't. You are you. Your parents were the ones that were, you know, were called by God. Um, another thing that I would tell me, I was 15 years old, is to always have somebody to encourage you. 
being a PK, you know, you always they they always point you out with certain things. But instead of people pointing you out to encourage you to move forward in the Lord. Another thing, and the last one is, too many PKs uh, grew up bitter. At one point in my life, I grew up bitter because my parents were so involved in the church and the people wanted so much from them that they couldn't give us time. And being the youngest of eight, I was always very outspoken. And that's one of the things I told my dad. I said, I understand you have the church, but for your father, to me first, you fall to anybody else. So I would tell a 15-year-old, sometimes you have to share your parent, but um, give your voice out and tell your parents, I need time with you. Wow, youngest youngest of eight? Yes. Man, I guess being the one that's not a PK, looking from the outside in, I can say that um, what you just mentioned about growing up bitter, because that's something I think all PKs go through. The fact that your reality is not my reality. Mm-hmm. because I didn't have to share my parents. Right. You know, I had my parents there, but you guys, you have to share your parents. And it's not that it's by choice. It's almost like you were born into it. Yeah. So even if you wanted to speak out about it, maybe a lot of them may find themselves on the reserve side. Like, well, I know my dad has a calling or mm-hmm. my mom has a calling and they have to serve the people. So that in itself is like, it's rough. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, there might be a lot of activities that they might not be there or they're on their way there and then a member calls them. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say from where I sit at, growing up in the church that I grew up in, I give thanks to God that the pastor I grew up with, which is Eli's father, he demonstrated that family's first, you know, and then the church I go to now, my current pastors over at Hifuio City Church in New Jersey, New Brunswick. They emphasize a lot that your first ministry is your is your family. And I think it's a cultural thing. Yeah. Meaning a generational thing, not cultural, a generational thing. Because if I look back to my parents, even though I had them, they weren't they weren't pastors, but my dad was always involved in something in the church. And I could only imagine a pastor's kid. And maybe the the stress that that might cause. But again I give thanks to the church that I grew up in that they emphasized on mm-hmm. your first ministry is your home before right. anything is your home. So it's like you drop everything for your family first. Right. And that's something good to give as, as advice that right. it's going to happen. Don't let it make you bitter. Exactly. But, but try to see around it, see what can be done mm-hmm. to understand that your parents have a calling, but also that you do need their attention. Yeah. And the amazing part about my dad, like I told you, he had eight children. At the time, he was pastoring the church. The way they did it in my house was because the church couldn't support them. You know you know how some pastors have a salary? So my mom would work during the day and my father would work at night. Meaning that after he finished church, he would, you know, say goodbye to us and go to work. Okay. Wow. And then my mom, he would come in the morning. My mom, he would come make the breakfast for the kids. My mom would leave to work. But he always found that weekend to take us to Coney Island. If you're, if you're from New York, you know, Coney Island was like the big thing. So it would be after a Sunday service or just a, a stroll on a Saturday to make sure he would take all eight kids, all of us, to Coney Island to give us that one day, whatever day it was. But he wanted to make sure that he loved us. And he always, he always showed me, being the youngest, you know what? 
you're my baby girl, you're my last one. You know, so I, I tend to be more like a daddy's girl. And people in the church will say, oh, you, you have to, I have my father wrapped up my fingers. It's not that. It's just I saw the sacrifices that he did. Yeah, that's big. Being yourself seems to be a lot of, of what a lot of pastors' kids that I've talked to have said and continue saying. So I think that's a valid point. That's a valid mm -hmm. point. Actually, you don't even have to be a pastor's kid to think about that. I think it's a good point for everybody to keep in mind. For the younger listeners, even some, some of the older folks, sometimes we're trying, to, we're trying to find ourselves still, trying to make everybody happy, right. trying to be the person that someone else thinks you should be, and you're not being yourself. And that's where you get into some, to some issues, sometimes deep issues, and sometimes things that you can take care of really quickly. But I like that point. I like the fact that, you know, you said to be yourself now. Miss Debbie, we would like for you to, to share with us an experience or maybe, should I say, a testimony that has in some way made you stronger so that the listeners, as well as us, can be encouraged. Well, it's a combination of my dad and my mom. My mom was the first one out of the family to depart to be with the Lord. And she was like the, the foundation that kept us together. So when she passed, it was really hard for us. And I couldn't understand why God allowed her to go. But then the testimony that impacted my life the most was my dad. My dad was diagnosed with cancer. And the doctors didn't give him very long to live. But my father, before he went for his first surgery for the cancer, he told my sister, which is now the pastor of the church, you're going to hold my place here because I'm going to come back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live. So he went to the surgery to make a long story short. My father had cancer for 21 years. My father had cancer throughout his body. It started in his right kidney. It went to his left kidney. It went all over to the point that he was yellow. Okay. He was yellow. He had no color. But yet and still, he kept on saying, my time is not yet. And he continued pastoring the church. And what I admired and I changed my life and my look of God was the fact that he says, my time not going to be done until the, the church is organized and I leave everything in its place. And that's exactly how it was. My dad eventually got worse and worse and worse. He installed my sister as a pastor and his vision was that I would be ordained. But unfortunately, he never got to see that, me being ordained. But what kept me going and what made me strong is the, his faith of wanting to live and not letting the, the sickness overcome him. He would preach when he had no strength. He would go to the church, sit in the, maybe when he was weak, he would go and just sitting there was enough for the people. So that changed my way of thinking about Christ. It's like, you know, I don't care what I go through. I, I must go forth because God has called us for a time like this. And sometimes we may feel sick. I mean, we may feel have a little headache, and we say, oh, I'm not going to go to church. My dad had cancer, but he made sure that he was in the house of the Lord because he said in the house of the Lord, he felt his strength, his, his strength was renewed. By him sitting there, he was encouraging others. So that itself, his life and my mom's life, my mom passed away, and it was because of my mom's death that I drew closer to the Lord. And you may say, that's crazy, but I believe, and I couldn't say this when she died, I couldn't understand it, but she had to die for Debbie to realize who God really was because I was relying on my mother's prayers 
and I never had like a close relationship with the Lord. I always said, Mom, I'm having this situation. She would pray for me. But when she passed, I didn't have no one to go to say, Mom, pray for me. So at, when she passed, I can say now she had to pass so that all of her children could stand on their faith for God and have a relationship with God and have a closeness with God. So even though it was a hurt, but yet it was it was growing pains. I say it was growing pains for me, spiritually speaking. Wow. That's a testament in itself. 20, 21 years with, with cancer. I, I don't even know what to say about that, man. The, the fact that yeah, he was he was a living, a walking testimony. Yes. That it's by faith you live. You know, I remember a few years ago, my mother, my mother had cancer, and actually it was in the early two thousands. And I remember how she got. And at that time, I was in school in Puerto Rico, just hearing her over the phone. Her motivation. I thank God she's still here. Praise God. Two thousand twenty. She does the regular checkups every six months. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I, I give all the glory to God that it hasn't come back. Amen. But I remember how tired she was. And yet she would go on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And she's a member. I can imagine a pastor still functioning in his calling yes. for 21 years. That, that's, that's amazing. And then for you to, to bring a testimony and say, you know, his faith of wanting to live wanting to continue to move forward is what helped you that even though he's not physically with us here mm-hmm. transition to heaven, but his actions is still moving you to continue yes. to move forward. That's awesome. You see movies, you hear stories, you read books about people coming out of whatever hardship. People always talk about the Phoenix, the Phoenix coming out of the fire and I mean, to me, that's that's a Christ-centered story, man. Like, you talk to somebody, and they're going through fire, and they come out of it. Just like how you're saying, it's like the phoenix coming out of the fire. You got, you know, your, your father's sickness and your mom's death. That's fire right there. You know what I'm saying? It's like the Bible says, God's purifying the gold in the fire. So you come out of that fire, and, you you know, you have all this positive and encouraging words to tell people. Not just us, mm-hmm. the listeners, but everybody that, that you that you come across. And I'm a testament to that because you, you're a very positive person in the church and you're always giving everybody a, a positive word. And I appreciate that from you guys, you and your husband. I really like the way he speaks. Even when he's just, you know, about to pray for the, for the offering, he always says something like, because the Bible says, and then he just spits some scripture. And I really like that about him. Thank you, Ms. Debbie, for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. I know that everybody's busy and we don't always have... Well, right now, Nelson is where? I'm in Atlanta today. Yeah, Nelson is at is in Atlanta today. So it, it's fun to speak to Nelson with other people because Nelson kind of has like a, a backstage as well in the life of a pastor's kid because he's been around us for such a long time. And again, Debbie, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so very much for having me. It was a pleasure. And um, I'm, I'm honest to say I'm a PK. And the amazing part is, like, is that as much as I always said, I'm never going to be a pastor. I'm never going to, I don't want to, I would never want that role. But the way God works is so weird. I won't say weird, but mysteriously. Because after my father passed away, they ordained me. And after they ordained me, I was like, Lord, I told you I didn't want to do this. But sometimes we, we don't do what we want to do. 
So I'm honored to be a PK. It's worth it. It was worth it. But thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the show and don't forget to subscribe.